Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, Some of you out there may know we've been in Los Angeles for almost a week now. And Jeff, I just sort of wanted to sum up our our time out here in a little game of overrated or underrated. Ready? Okay. Okay. Uh, Uber's out here. Uber's out here. Uh, What a mixed bag. All right. Uh, I'm going to say underrated. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say that because. Uh, certain drivers we really connected with and, okay. and got to hear their whole life story. You yeah. know, the guy from El Salvador, shout out to Carlos, yeah, yeah, yeah. who was like the most wonderful person. You gave him a huge, huge tip. I, I did because he sends all of his money back home and has seen his money go towards his children's uh, time at university. And they turned into a cardiologist and a communications major. And he's just putting a lot of good into the world. And I wanted to support that. Yeah. And then on the other end of that, yeah, I would also say that the guy who almost got into two accidents, uh, got a, a head of lettuce thrown at the car, yep. um, got into a screaming match with uh, uh, another middle driver's, fingers yeah. thrown up. Yeah, spit um, out the window. Possibly racist. Uh, blasted corn in the car. Yeah, um, I would I would say for that, it's you know, story and it, it's, yeah. it's uh, so, so that's, that's sort of underrated. Okay. Um, also, would have been way overrated had we actually um, been involved in a race war. Right. Okay. Los Angeles weather this week: overrated or underrated? I mean, the clouds have been very present. Yeah. And the rain has been very present. Yeah. So I would say. Um, I mean, the change in weather, I guess, is <laughs> listen. It's better than New York right now. Okay. 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 So uh, uh, underrated, underrated. Underrated. Even, even though, though it's, it's raining shitty. every yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, seeing our friends out here, Jeff. Overrated. Underrated. Overrated. Big time. Yeah. Get them out of here. <laughs> Big time. All I want to do is sit in my hotel room. <laughs> no, uh, it was great to see everybody. Yeah, it was really yeah. nice. Uh, Shout out to Waz, Nod, and Marsha, Abigail. And, yeah. Let's and talk Jeremy Corellis, Amina, and Zara, and Alex, Angelo. And, good to catch up with everyone. How about our hotel here? Our hotel. So if people don't know, we're staying at the Line Hotel, which is a very well. Maybe you've Instagram, seen it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, it's an Instagram friendly hotel. Like people love to film the uh, the remote control shades going up. Which, which by the way, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, except that everything else feels like you're in this weird warehouse or like uh, abandoned dump and maybe they're trying to be cool but the furniture looks broken <laughs> feels and broken feels broken and the walls are made of concrete yeah. and everything is untreated it just looks and feels sort of shitty okay but, i don't i don't like this hotel you, but did you sleep well yes because when you put out the blackout shades <laughs> like it's it's like living in a shoebox so uh underrated okay and and, and or overrated i don't know and rated L.A. food, Jeff. L.A. food has been super underrated. Oh, my God. Super underrated. Love L.A. food. It's the best. Shout out to the Nomad Hotel. Shout out to Henry. Oh, my God. We had the best, best meal. When I say that they brought out at least 12 dishes for us, just like over and over, and every single one was amazing. And they brought out about 12 dishes for dessert. Just for dessert. That dessert was insane. That dessert was as big as a sofa cushion. Our friend Abigail, who is with us at dinner said to the waiter, you're going to kill us. We're going to die. It was so, so, so good. I guess that's the sign of a hotel. That was so good. Podcasts, Jeff. We got got a few done. I would say uh, very underrated, even though we have some major guests. Yeah, we uh, we did our John Legend one finally. 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 That was about four years in the making, maybe? Something like that, yeah. John, who 
maybe you guys know we've been in business with him. Maybe some of you guys know that we're friendly with him and his wife, Chrissy Teigen. Maybe some of you guys just know that John has been very active in trying to get on this podcast. Yeah, which is weird because, it's, well, I always find it weird when like people who have some sort of name or are like, class. hey, yeah, like class, some sort of knowledge. Yeah. Just like a brain. They're like just they like, want to be on the podcast. Yeah. Why? Well, I think I think that we've created something that people want to be a part of. And John has been knocking down our door for the longest time. And it was so generous of us to finally let him on. You know what? Yeah, I'm glad that we had the time yeah. for John Legend. So that episode is coming out soon. We have some other ones that we've recorded out here. But today on the podcast. Today on the podcast, we have John Monopoly. John Monopoly, who a lot of people may know from his work with Kanye West. But more importantly, yeah. people should know him for his work with Eric Rosenthal. Well, you know, that's why this episode really does mean a lot to me. All those years ago when... Don C and John Monopoly brought me in and I was Kanye's videographer and I came out here to the Grammys. These guys changed my life. And that's not even hyperbole. I mean, I was moving in a certain direction. These guys gave me hope and promise and and experiences that I can't even have imagined. Not at that age, not at this age. And the trajectory of my life changed because of John Monopoly, and uh, to be able to sit down with him and thank him, but also to get into his incredible life, his his last 30 years of being the guy in Chicago, I mean, not only his work with Kanye, but bringing Jay-Z and Foxy Brown to do their first big show in Chicago, putting on for people like Bump J, or Z Money, or Dreezy, or... Hitmaker, formerly known as Young Berg, who uh, we had on the podcast just a couple weeks ago and shouted out John Monopoly. And also like Valet. Totally. And, you know, Common and other people. Yeah, absolutely. It's, he's the most major music figure in our eyes from Chicago for the last 30 years. And it was a pleasure to hear him go back in the recesses of his mind and and pull out these names of clubs that he that he ran or music videos that that he would make happen in Chicago or names that that mean something to him and and he wanted to put out there we love these types of stories. We love talking to legends like John Monopoly, and this is one that we wanted to make happen for a long time, and I'm, I'm so glad that we did. So shout out to John Monopoly. I know you guys are going to love this episode, and you know what? We have almost 250 other episodes that we are positive you guys will rock with, and uh, should you want, based on this episode, some recommendations, Jeff... Has taken the time, taken the time to find out the best three episodes to tell you about, and he's going to do that right now. How about number forty, Andrew Barber? Shout out to our guy out there in Chicago, Illinois, Fake Shore Drive Zone. You know, Andrew had plenty of opportunities to leave the Midwest to uh, take his talents elsewhere to focus on. Just broader things in rap, but but what we love about Andrew Barber, and there's so many things that we love about Andrew Barber, but that he is loyal and that he is focused and driven and when wanted to put on for a specific area that that 
wasn't getting a lot of attention paid to it, and and he has been super important over the last 11, almost 12 years, certainly in Chicago, certainly on the internet, but definitely for putting on for hip-hop, and that's a that's a great episode that we actually taped out here in Los Angeles a couple years ago. Yeah, also number 238 with Hitmaker. Shout out to Hitmaker. This was recorded uh, a few weeks ago, and man, Berg came in and... I don't know that anybody has been more open and honest with their career than Hitmaker, Youngberg, Iceberg. It's a tremendous episode. He is funny. He is a great storyteller, and he's lived a lot of lives in this in this music business. Definitely check out that episode with Hitmaker. Also, number 235 with Dre London, Post Malone's manager. This is a man who's worked with French Montana, who's worked, obviously, with Post Malone, who has... Uh, been named the manager of 2018 by Variety. And, you know, to make it from the circumstances that he inherited as a young man in London to become such a powerful and smart and innovative part of of this music business is really incredible story, and I'm glad that we got to sit down with him. So shout out to Dre London, shout out to Andrew Barber, shout out to Hitmaker, and big shout outs to our guy John Monopoly. You guys are definitely going to enjoy this episode. Jeff, when do you want to get into it? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Grammy Family, a.k.a. The Golden Girls. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Slappers Only, a.k.a. GoldenEye. Yo, what up? It's John Monopoly. <laughs> yes, yeah, your third favorite podcast, A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Monop, what's happening? What's happening? Everything's good. How's your life? How's your world right now? And my life is good, man. World is good. Everything is good. Family's good. Wife is good. Business is good? Business is really good, yeah. That's what's up. Well, listen, we got a lot, a lot, a lot to cover right now. Okay. So let's go back to the very beginning. Sure. Where are you from? Chicago, Southside. Southside, Chicago. I'm not from downtown. I'm from <laughs> Southside. What was growing up in the Southside of Chicago like? Man, you know... uh, tricky <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun um good times bad times i'm from the low end you know raised in between 33rd and college cottage excuse me and 72nd and uh, luella on the east side and um it was it was great man lots of parties and music and culture and dancing and all kind of cool shit man so yeah you come from a, a very uh important family to chicago the johnsons sure and, and can you talk about your family's history? Sure, yeah. My dad uh, is John Johnson. Uh, he was a part of three brothers, Robert, John, and George, who started Johnson Products. They were, it was the first uh, black company to be traded on the New York Stock Exchange. It was also uh, the first, it was the company who gave Don Cornelius uh, the seed money for Soul Train. That's why if you look on a, any of the early uh, Soul Train episodes, you always at the end of the episode saw my family's uh, products at the end because they were paying the bills. Uh, uh, and I believe my Uncle George also gave Robert Johnson uh, the first national advertising spot for BT. Wow. Um, amongst a, a bunch of other firsts and other firsts. Um, so yeah, they're, they're OGs in the game. Yeah. How much of like that world entered your life? Meaning like, you know, Soul Train, like, are you going to Soul Train tapings? Are you, you're, your kid. Sure. Y- younger on, I remember going to like a couple, 
uh, Soul Train Awards and I remember me and Don C going to the Soul Train Awards in 98 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely and then, and then even before then, I remember being very young and like Shalimar, I think, was the group performed at my cousin Joni's Sweet 16 party Whoa. or something like that. So, like, they were like groups that you'd see on Soul Train that would like, you know, be at my uncle's house. You know what I mean? Because of... You know, the affiliation. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. And it was like that for me early on, you know, before my father passed away. And then later on in life, uh, when I became kind of, a, you know, a more prominent promoter, I kind of reconnected with the family um, in the in the mid to late 90s. So when does music really like enter your life as a passion? When I saw Crush Groove. What year is Crush Groove? 85. 80, yeah. Okay, so the Crush Groove changed my life, and that's when I decided I wanted, I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer anymore. I wanted to be Blair Underwood, yeah. who was mm. Russell Simmons. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to throw parties and produce music, and I wanted Def Jam. But in Chicago. But in Chicago, right. So the idea <laughs> as an 11 year old. Shit, I, don't, I didn't really realize it was 85. But as it It also or, might not be. I just said it with a lot of confidence. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Whatever yeah. year that was, whatever yeah. year the movie came out, I decided that I was going to do what they were doing, but in Chicago for Chicago. Because, you know, a lot of kids who are growing up now are just like, oh, yeah, no, Chicago's hot. Like, everything's going on in the Midwest, and, sure. and it's just like Atlanta or sure. Los Angeles or New York. That was not the case back then. No, no. It was just a lot of drug dealing, gang banging, and... Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah. At the time, it was, you know, it was, it, there were no record labels. There was no record industry. Uh, the closest thing you could get to it was being a promoter. So I became a promoter. This is in high school? Yeah, well, I became a promoter in grammar school. I, my first party was in 1989 at High Park Church. I was 13 years old. <laughs> I did a, a uh, uh, eighth grade graduation party where I went to the church and I lied to the church director, <laughs> told them that it was an eighth grade project, that I was doing it for the school. By the time they realized that it wasn't an official school function, it was three days after the <laughs> event. There, there was nothing they could do. What kind of acts? True, true Hollywood story. What, what, what kind of acts did you book for that? No, it was no acts. Oh. It was just a couple local DJs. Okay. Yeah. I never made money on my concerts, funny enough, whenever I booked acts and stuff. I only made money when I sold nothing, if that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 And so were you John Monopoly at age 13? No, I was John... John John. John John. I was John John, then I became John Doe, and then I became John Monopoly in 80, 98 became Monopoly in 98. Who gave you that name? Twilight Tone, former client. Uh, I made him a bunch of money. Well, not a bunch of money. I made him, at the time, what seemed like a bunch of money. Bunch Um, of church functions. (laughs) 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 I made him. I got him a couple quick checks in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And he said, you got so much game, I'm going to call you Monopoly. That's dope. And uh, I said, okay. Well, then I love the name and it stuck with me. Uh, Shout out to Twilight Tone. Yeah. No, fast forwarding a few years for a second, um, when there was a rapper named John Doe. Sure. 
Was that weird? <laughs> no, no. I was always just supportive of it. I loved it. There's yes. now a promoter in Chicago by the name of John Doe. Is that right? Who's very successful. Shout out to John Doe. You start as a 13-year-old doing these parties. Sure. When does it really get to be like... A business? A business. Yeah. So two years later, 15 years old, I did a party at Chicago Dance Studios. Mm. Chicago Dance Studios, I think. Yeah. And was that like a, that wasn't a club that was no it was, yeah. it was a studio that I lied to and told <laughs> that uh, I was doing some you know I came up with some bullshit I uh, concept oh I'm doing this project for such and such it was all a lie yeah a, yeah yeah it was a paid party <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean I made up some elaborate story that it's I was for doing. my science class yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's this this it's all bullshit you know what I mean it's, I'm just getting paid and I'm leaving yeah, yeah. so you lied so, to God first at the church thing. right yeah right right yeah. just to let you know my moral fiber right? yeah well where did you learn to lie ah uh, man I think my mom. Shouts yeah, to her. Hey, yeah. Shouts to Ave, man. Yeah. Shouts to Avis. For real. Why did your mom teach you to lie? Or how do you why do you say that? I don't yeah, it's a little private. I don't know y'all good enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe on the next one. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Shout out to Avis. Love her to death. You know? You really make it into a business how? So yeah, I threw this party, Chicago Dance Studios. Um and I made like eighteen hundred dollars profit. Which is not a lot of money. But like when you're like living at home and you're like 15 yeah, and you come home at eight when like with more money than your parents did for like the last week. Yeah. It's like, okay. You have a driver's license. Yeah, No, I I mean, I I literally, you know, took a cab. You know what I mean? I couldn't drive home, but I made a bunch of fucking money, man. I'm like, yo, I can, I can do this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. So who takes notice? Funny enough, who took notice were other local promoters. It wasn't so much, it wasn't so much my, I'm sorry. Uh, shut up. It wasn't so much the, um, no, no, that's not true. My mom, my mom and stepdad did take notice too, but who really took notice were like other local promoters. So I'll tell you who it was. One of the first promoters I have to shout out. I don't do business with them any longer. But I will shout him out, Domingo Neris, who at the time was a big, um, in the early 90s, was a big uh, techno promoter in Chicago who wanted to make the transition into hip hop. And we did Wu-Tang Clan's first Chicago show together in 91. Whoa. Yeah, 1991. Wu-Tang's first time they were ever in Chicago. I promoted the show. Domingo hired me, made me his partner. He was way early. I mean, it was like 19 people showed up. Nobody knew. Were they all part of Wu-Tang? Right, right, right. Well, no, 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 no. 19 patrons showed up. All of Wu showed up as well. Wait, that's the craziest part. All of them showed up? The entire clan. Yeah, the entire clan. I had the first entire clan show in Chicago. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, it was like people like Domingo and uh, uh, Dim Dare, which was like a legendary Chicago uh, crew that was like throwing all the hottest and sexiest hip hop parties for for our age group. But they were all adults uh, and they were throwing these teenage parties. So like I was kind of like their lead competition, but I was a part of the demographic. And it got to a point where they were the dominant players for several years, but then they had to kind of just work with me just kind of based on the market share that I was controlling. So it was like, you know, other of my competitors who kind of tried to shun me early when I tried to get in ended up just partnering with me. 
you know what I mean? And, and those are the people that took notice. And what were you like in, in actual school? Like, were you like a popular kid? Were you like trying to do um, like student government and stuff? Like, what? no, not not in the student government. But uh, my my boy Ivan Jasper always yeah. says uh, I was mega popular. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a little joke. Were you into house music? Because that was like you know. Yeah, come Hi. in. That's my cousin Arenda. Hey, how are you? What up? <laughs> Yo, you didn't know I was a celebrity. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Were of you? course, I grew up on house music. Yeah, I'm a house head. Yeah, please. <laughs> I went to all the house parties and all that. Well, was it hard to get hip hop acts in a in a house city? Um, was it hard to get? Hip- well, for me, I remember I booked Beat Nuts' first paid show ever, right? And I brought them to Chicago. In 1992 or 91, 91 or 92, and I had to fly to New York to meet with Erskine Isaac from Famous Artist Agency. I remember like I was yesterday. First of all, great name. Yeah, yeah Erskine yeah. Isaac, yeah. right? He's still around. He's like a big booker, still doing his thing. And at the time, you know, people weren't really coming to the city because they just, I don't know. It just it wasn't, it was... It wasn't well, New York and it people. wasn't L.A. And that, 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 there, that's, there you go. You yeah. just answered my yeah. fucking question. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was wasn't there. Make, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make us like, you know, one of those destinations. So, yes, early on it was a little difficult um, because they just didn't have the connections and the resources and know who to fuck with and know where to go. And for whatever reason, I don't know. We just weren't important. Well, you're a young man, and you're taking that flight to New York. Mm-hmm. Did you just have like more guts than than maybe someone of your age should have had? I just never gave a fuck, <laughs> honestly. You know, I lost my dad very young. I was uh, always just very passionate. I knew what I wanted to do at like twelve or thirteen, and just never just I just never cared. So there was no chance you were not going to close that deal. No, it just it was never. I never tried to do it. I just did it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you came home, closed that deal, and Beat Nuts showed up in, yeah, in your city. Yeah, it was city. fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> first, first paid show. Their first paid show. I remember I met Juju. I was like a huge Beat Nuts fan. I was just like, yo, your beat. What, was it him or his man that was making the beats? I think Juju was Juju, making the yeah. beats. And I, was, and I was a producer at the time, too, and I gave him a beat tape. And I don't know. I'm not going to go on that whole <laughs> story. But it was a big deal for me at the time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what, what happens next? That was 92. So 93, I graduated from high school. Congratulations. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. I had done a bunch of parties, successful parties and concerts and shit like that. I decided to go away to school to Morehouse College in Atlanta. Um, was it important for you to go to uh, an HBCU? Yeah. It was important for me to attend an HBCU, but not. I never wanted to go to college. It was just, I was going through some personal shit at home, needed to get away. Uh, wanted to kind of go off on my own and be an adult. I yeah. was tired of, I had been making real money now for a couple of years. And even though I was only 18, it was time for me to kind of um, take it to the next level. Hold on, it's my Hi. Wife, baby. You see, nothing's more important than my wife. Yeah. So, um, so now it was, you know, it was just time for me to go to the next thing, you know? So uh, I went to college and, um, 93 Atlanta first year but I never went to class I never (laughs) I I, I don't have any uh, college credit from Morehouse you donated money to them yeah Yeah. I just gave them free money you know what I'm saying that's fine 
because I was really just trying to get down because Atlanta at that time was super popping. So yeah. like there was like Jermaine Dupree, uh, all that freak Nick, freak all Nick, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was down there. I got hooked up with uh, Eric Sermon had a rim shop in Atlanta. I don't know if you guys know about this, but back in the day, Eric Sermon had a rim shop on Peachtree, and it was also a recording studio in the basement. So he would have like all these dope Atlanta acts. People that are probably older than you. So you, you guys remember Illegal and... Uh, yeah. Uh, God, uh, what the fuck were these kids called? It was a, like Goody Mob. All, yeah. a, bunch, a bunch of like old, like uh, the Attic Music crew. A bunch of like old school ATL crews would all go down there and get beats and, you know, just fuck around. So they liked my beats. So they, li- they let me set up a little pre-production studio in Eric Sermon's studio. And then I was throwing parties down there too. So I was like throwing parties and like going to the studio and like making beats. I never ever went to class. <laughs> it was never. It, never I, picked a major. <laughs> ne- I don't even. I don't even remember what my bullshit major was. It wasn't. It wasn't in the cards for me to go to school. But that doesn't mean go to don't go to school, kids. Just you know. Whatever. So you're saying that like your footwork from Chicago is better than your stroll game down at Morehouse. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my footwork. Absolutely. So, so you really took to Atlanta? Yeah, I love Atlanta. I I still love Atlanta to this day. My wife doesn't, but yeah. <laughs> Did you stay down there year round, or was Chicago still like what you where you went over the summers? I I was okay. So I was in Atlanta first semester '93, then back to Chicago uh, second semester '93, then back to Atlanta first semester '94 to try it one more time. Completely failed again. You're like a, a really like crazy commuter student. You know? Yeah, <laughs> just insane. And then top of '95, I moved back to Chicago. Completely gave up on higher education, and was just I was 19 years old. I um, came back to Chicago and just just got serious about just trying to be a grown up and just do my own shit. Who's out in Chicago in '95 that's really making making waves? The whole game is Debrat. Did you know the her from the city or did you know brat. her from JD? Okay, so funny enough, I'm actually kind of cool with JD now, but I didn't know JD back when I was fucking with Boogie and the Brat and all that in 95. I met Brat through the guy who put me on. There's a guy named Jay Boogie who's like a triple OG from Chicago that if you listen to Kanye rap, you'll hear Kanye talk about Jay Boogie. You'll hear a bunch of figures from the city mentioned Jay Boogie and um he's the one that when I was 19 years old kind of adopted me and like you know uh put me on like gave me a job and like literally put me on what'd you learn from him um a lot of stuff about like how to be like a real man if that sounds it makes any sense and like uh you know how to do for we and not just me and um to handle good business and always move with integrity and just how to hustle on another level. Like he, he was like, you know, this is 24, damn, 24 years ago, but he was like a celebrity in the city. You know, this is before Instagram and all that shit. Right. But I mean, he was literally the biggest, I want to make sure I say this properly. Um, he was the biggest, street figure in the city mm-hmm. respectfully i mean he was more than that and is more than that but i gotta tell the truth um 
And yeah, I mean, he was, you know, like a god to us. You know, what I mean, like he was everything. And he um, had his studio, and me and Kanye and Don. That's what me. Well, I met Ye in '90, but when I, when I Don is my cousin, but we didn't connect until '95. So when me Don and Ye used to first hang out, it used to be them coming up to my job, which was running the studio for Jay and overseeing the label for Jay. So how do you how do you not know that you're cousins with with it's, Don? It's, it's a long it's a long story <laughs> because I'm a Johnson. It's it's a big long story. There's yeah. a lot of Johnsons. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it's a long story. But yeah, but so that that's that's how it all happened. Debrat is everything. Oh man, she's well, she's the first female rapper to go platinum. Yeah. yeah. So imagine that in a city with no platinum rappers 24 years ago crazy and then and then couple that with her boyfriend slash business partner being the biggest street guy in the city who also has a fashion brand at the time which i forgot to mention he had j boogie leathers which was on every rapper in the world every rap i mean i can show you on my instagram uh, biggie smalls wearing j boogie leathers crazy i mean i can show you on on my instagram i remember puff daddy calling the studio asking for j boogie to get on the phone in 1996 when puffy's the biggest music producer on the planet and he's like you know i need a j boogie leather for who you know it was just insane so i mean the amount of star power they had i mean we did a party in ninety in nineteen ninety six for the Bratz birthday, that's still to this day, there's been no other bigger party in Chicago ever. I mean, we we had LL Cool J, Mariah Carey, Jermaine Dupree, Total Escape, every every <laughs> icon. Because remember, she's the biggest thing on the planet at yeah, the time. Yeah. So everybody wants to come. <clears throat> Everybody wants to come, and we we got the biggest, most elaborate nightclub. We spent all the money that you could ever think. And was the door like the biggest problem like that night? It was just stupid. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely insane. It was absolutely insane. So you're in the studio, uh, and you're still working on beats at the time. When I moved back from college, I started managing Kanye again, and he was so much better than me at making beats. I just kind of gave up. Mm. I just didn't. I it was like I was a good producer, like. I was, you know, pretty good, but I mean, he's like, he's like the best of all time and shit. So it's like, you know, it was just pointless. Yeah. Yeah. When did you first meet No ID? I met No ID when I was 15 or 16 years old. No ID has my logo tattooed on his right arm. Wow. If you ever, lo- if you ever interview him. Yeah. Ask him to put, wear a tank top. <laughs> That's a weird request. Hey, make sure like, hey, you have a tank top? Yeah, yeah. Make sure you wear that to the interview that nobody's going to see. There's no cameras here. Shout out to Ernest Wilson. Man. Shout out to Ernest Wilson. Uh, when did you first meet Common? Around the same time. So, well, no, that's not true. I went to, actually, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I he doesn't to, have a tattoo. No, Got no, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He does have my logo tattooed on him for sure. No, uh, I went to Faulkner, which was a very small uh, private school on the south side of Chicago for one year when I was, I think, nine or ten years old. And I met, that's when I first, I think, met Derek and Rashid. And Dion, and I used to play tennis. I think with Derek. I've I've known Derek and his mom, and Derek and his family, since I was probably nine or ten years old. And then, 
Rosh and Dion maybe a year or two after that. So both of them like middle late grammar school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, I've known I've known Derek. Damn, that's weird. I didn't really <laughs> realize that. I'd known Derek Common and Rock and uh, Dion before I knew Kanye. Crazy. Yeah, because I didn't meet Kanye until I was in high school, and I met Derek and them. When I was in grammar school, and yeah. and and didn't meet uh, Don C until uh, you and know, didn't meet Don later C on until anyway. twenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was nineteen. I'm so kidding. how do you go from promoting to managing? I was always managing. So I I when I was promoting and making beats, I was managing a group called Time Exposure. That was um, I guess that was technically the, my first group that I managed, and then and then Go Getters was number two was a group that I managed and we put out through our label. Yeah. So, yeah. So you established yourself as a label, you have your management side, and you've done promotions. You pretty much run Chicago at that yeah, point. Yeah, like a one-stop <laughs> shop. I don't know if I run Chicago. I try. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, you know, we, we were always very successful. We were always very successful. So did you have like a radio like operation for yourself where you knew all the DJs or knew like people at the clubs and could get, you know, your records spun wherever you want? Well, kind of. I mean, we kind of... Okay, so there's a two-part answer to that. The club stuff, we pretty much kind of dominated, um, which sounds so lame to say. But, um, yeah, I mean, we were, the, we were the number one players when we were playing in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, radio in Chicago... There's no such thing as a knowing somebody to activate. Um, it's just being hot and knowing how to work it. You know what I mean? It, it's it's there's no there is no magic man. There is no one guy that if you have on your team he can activate because you know these guys just. Uh, love him so much. Was it just, uh, just? They all pretty much want the same thing. If you get my drift, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'll just leave it like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Was it just GCI <laughs> back then? Back th- well, there was always somebody else. So it was GCI and 106 Jams initially, uh, and then 106 went away, and now there's Power 92. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, GCI. I remember when GCI not only didn't play hip hop, they didn't play any Chicago hip hop. I, I actually picketed GCI. I had hmm. a whole street team outside of a. Uh, <laughs> GCI 1999 when I put out Kanye's first single did it work yeah yeah actually it did because they had to take notice and they started playing our records a little <laughs> bit and yeah. so beyond how do you know that I stole that from Puff by the way shout out to Sean Combs yeah how do you get your records played outside of the Chicago area or was that not important to you it didn't matter to me at the time man like I was so like Chicago maniacal like trying to just be the guy in the city I wasn't really spending money on promoting the records no I wasn't like I was trying to break the go-getters in Chicago I wanted GCI and power if it was power at the time or maybe it was no it was power yep I wanted GCI and power that's all I cared about and were you guys like uh like mixtapes and like you know how else were you like pushing them if not for radio taking notice of you guys yeah i had a bunch of like mixtapes and a mike love mixtapes and promo singles and vinyl <laughs> and i remember i paid woody and parish god god bless the death my brother my brother parish passed away i remember i, I hired woody and parish to 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 uh 
wear go-getters t-shirts everywhere they went and pass outs. I mean, just, I spent, I don't know, 40 some thousand dollars of, you know, (laughs) please edit that out. (laughs) It makes me cry every time I think about it. But yeah, but yeah, we 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 went hard. Were you going to like mix show summits also? Sure. Oh man, yeah. all that shit. Yeah, all the time. I've been knowing fucking uh, who was it uh, from the mix show power summit? What was my man, the Puerto Rican guy? Justo. No, not oh, I know Justo yeah. too. Renee. Renee McLean. Yeah, yeah, Renee. Renee. That's my yeah, man. Yeah. Please, please, absolutely. <laughs> Oh man! So who would you glad hand? Who would you meet and like be like, yo, like you really have to come to the city, or you got to take notice of my artists, or who was at the mix show? Summit? Everybody. <laughs> if you run up on anybody that was going to that stuff, I mean, people, you can ask people like Marvin Pierre, Jacob, you're uh, any any uh, uh, Clark uh, Kent, any anybody that you can think of that was uh, A and R back in the day that would take my call, <laughs> that would let me. It was all about go getters and yay for years. For years. And were you just like pounding the phone or were you, I mean like. Oh, I was going to New York. Oh. I was going to New York a lot. I moved to New York in 99 for like six months. I was, uh, I got a marketing job at a, uh, this is a guy named Young Lord, Richard Young Lord Frierson. He, he was one of Puffy's hitmen. Remember when Puff had the hitmen? Oh yeah. So, so Puff had this one, one of his hitmen, he was the youngest one. He was the young Lord. Young Lord, yeah. Young Lord. (laughs) And I met young Lord. He liked my hustle and he moved me to New York and I did marketing for him and he had like a, a deal at like, uh, I don't remember. Like some, some record label some, doesn't exist anymore. Some record label <laughs> doesn't exist anymore. And he was trying to sign Kanye. Shout out to Young Lord because he did try to sign the Go Getters. It didn't work out, but um, yeah. So I was always going. Well, and then I work? also dated this young lady who gave me a whole book of American Airlines um, like vouchers or vouchers. <laughs> In '98, and I would I would go to New York every other week off these passes. Yo, shouts to scammers out there everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's so, would funny. you show up at like all the studios and just like every show your stu- face and quad, yeah, Hit uh, Factory, Sony? I mean, all these studios. Most of them don't even exist anymore. Hit yeah. Factory doesn't even exist in New York yeah. anymore. Sony in New York doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> most of these places that I think of. Don't even exist, but yeah. Yeah, they're all yeah. Applebee's now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. Everybody just records on their MacBooks. <laughs> so was yeah. it difficult to get A&Rs to come to your city? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And now they go to Chicago every week. <laughs> right. And I'm actually happy that I can say I contributed to that. I'm not saying it's all because of me. But I contributed to that. that yeah, it was good. Well, who was your competition like in terms of like executives back in Chicago during that era? Nobody. Well, I mean, the pressure I, I was just like, like indifference, probably, right? Yeah. I don't know how to say this without sounding cocky, but it, it wasn't it wasn't nobody moving like us. Yeah, not well, me and Don but, C. But you know, there's a difference my, between like yeah. confidence and cockiness. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's like just, it's the truth. It's like, just the truth. It's yeah. just fact. It's yeah. just and there's no shade to nobody because there were some people moving. There are some people moving now. Yeah, but I mean, please. Next question. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Next question. So, what's the first sort of like breakthrough that you have from? someone outside of Chicago? Like, who takes mm. notice of John Monopoly at, at 1998, 1999? Okay, the first real, real breakthrough, Chris Lighty. Yeah, because Chris was the one... Okay, so from 97... Okay, so let me just give you a little timeline. When I was 21 years old, 
I started this thing called the Dragon Room, which in Chicago was like a legendary, legendary hip hop club in the late 90s. From 97 to 2002, me and Don C literally controlled the nightlife space. Like literally, like, like, like not kind of. Like, oh, okay, so you want to go out? Oh, okay, you, that's who you rock with in the city. You, Everybody who came through. Period. Could Just, Cisco get into the dragon room? <laughs> probably not with the platinum hair, but... Could Dragon get into the dragon room? <laughs> dragon for sure. Let me tell you why. Because my man A.B. from Violet. Shout out to A.B. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to A.B. Yeah. Uh, no, but so, so, so that's what that was. By the way, so, what was the aesthetic of the dragon room? Oh, it's fly. Yeah? Oh, it's very fly. It, it was like... Uh, from a design standpoint, the actual yeah. property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, it's, it's, oh no, like, but Dragon Room wasn't named that because there was like a lot of dragon, like sort of. Yeah, it was like it had like an Asian yeah. kind of a feel. Yeah, yeah, you know? red and black or something, or it was red and black. Yeah, there wow. you go. Okay. Eric, were you there? I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I used to see Eric could get in. Uh, Cisco could yeah, not. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, Eric and yeah. Cisco. No. <laughs> so, so basically. Uh, we, we promoted from 97 to 2002. We went from Dragon Room was half the time and then a, a club called Biology Bar. Biology Bar was about twice the size of, well, almost twice the size of Biology Bar. And then we had kind of doubled our hustle. So we went from promoting one night at the Dragon Room to now our partner made me the urban marketing director over all of his clubs. He had wow. like nine clubs. So I did all the urban programming for all the clubs. And then I was the general manager of Biology Bar. Don C was the assistant manager of Biology Bar. And then we promoted the Friday night hip hop night. So we kind of like kind of bossed up because, you know, we went from, you know, just being like hustling young kid promoters to now, you know, we have foreign cars off of this and have like actual jobs off of this and you know live in a you know nice place you know you yeah. know what i'm trying to say yeah. yeah so it got to like at the fifth year 2002 um i got kind of cool with chris and and i had been doing my beat hustle i was managing spike and jamal sc but a, a little crew crew of uh young Chicago producers that were starting to make a name for themselves. SC did a bunch of stuff for Mob Deep. Spike and Jamal produced uh, records for Monica. And, wow. you know, they, they got hits, yeah. you know? So, so um, Chris is like, yo, if you move to New York, um, I'll give you an executive position at Violator. at Violator. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Chris Lighty was like a huge influence on me, you know, coming up. Um, Jungle Brothers was one of my favorite groups, and yeah. he was a part of Jungle Brothers, but as the manager, which I always thought was so cool. So I actually kind of just make this whole thing go full circle. I put myself a part of Time Exposure when I was 16. I was the fifth member <laughs> as the manager, but I completely copied that from Chris Lighty. Yeah. So he's like, "Yo, you know, you got to. Would you like to come?" And I was like, man, I, I want to, but like my life was kind of like, it was like kind of comfy, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're popping in Chicago. I was you like popping, you know what I'm saying? Doing all, you know, I was young and there's a bunch of girls and, you know, the young, the young guy shit. You, you know had a car, yeah. there's no need for a car in New York. Yeah. But, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't remember what I talked to, but I was like, uh, like, I was like, yo, fuck this, man. I'm, I'm just tired of like, 
throwing parties. You know what I'm saying? It was like 2002, I've been throwing parties for like 13 years straight. You know what I mean? Since like 89. In one city. In one city. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yo, I was just ready for like a new challenge. And I remember a couple of my friends like, yo, you popping? Like, how you going to leave when you're on top? I was like, because I can't go nowhere. Like, there's no record company that's ever going to come here. I got to go like learn the record business because I'm not going to be 43 throwing parties with y'all. Right. That's not, that's what's not going to happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I, I left. One way ticket? Yeah. Yeah. I left. Me, I took JoJo Capone. Shout out to my cousin JoJo. I drove out there with JoJo Capone and Don C met us out there, him and his girl. And me and Don got a crib. And where at? Did we move into Hudson Crossing right away? Um, I think I moved to Jersey City mm. first. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you know what's so funny too? I moved to Jersey City and my um my roommate's name was Babacar. Real cool brother. And he was a chef at Mercer Kitchen. Whoa. And I remember saying, like, yo, what is this spot? What is this Mercer <laughs> Kitchen shit? So, like, now when we're there, like, all the time, I'm like, oh, I've been knowing about this. You know what I'm saying? I'll be fronting, but whatever. Um, so you settle into New York. Yeah, yeah, And you yeah. start out with Violator. Yeah. Was it everything you thought it was going to be? It was a movie. So it was an absolute movie. I, I LL shot, is there. Shot at, shot at it in the office. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, literally almost got killed at work, like. People getting robbed, beefs, every rap icon you could ever think of. So LL is there, Missy's there. I handled Missy because I was handling producer management. So I handled Missy, Havoc from Mob Deep, and Seven Aurelius. Seven oh. who had yeah, yeah, for Murder sure. Inc. and all oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's wild. That's, that's, that's crazy. jumping in the deep end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you have fun? It was the funnest time <laughs> of my life. What are you talking about? And then at the time, I was putting out... Um, Get well soon. Oh. Get well soon. So, like, my office was like half Kanye, get well soon, half uh, Missy Elliott beats and songs. So I was living. And then if you if you remember, I did a Kanye Missy collab that came from that job. Knock knock. If you ever listened to Monica's Oh yeah yeah after the storm album yeah that was a direct. That came from literally Missy calling me every day, give me more beats, give me more beats. And I'm like, yo, I got this kid, Kanye, from Chicago. You should use one of his joints. She used one of the joints that came a single. And that was his first R&B placement. So who turned you down for Kanye in those, those first year, in that first year in New York? Like, where did you try to shop him? Arista. Atlantic, Jive. That's all I can think of right now. And and did you think that it could ever be turned around or were you just like I always knew. I knew when I met him in in ninety 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 one that he was gonna I didn't know he was gonna be the biggest star on the planet. That would be a lie. But I did know that he was going to be big. Well, what were the reasons that the the labels would give, or was it just like just just, just a bullshit no? labels, you know? <laughs> yeah. just bullshit labels, just just them being dumb. Did you think that you could bring Kanye into the Violator fold? No, I didn't think that necessarily. Um, Did Chris Lighty see it? I don't know. We never really talked about it too much. Chris was always like really supportive, and like when I left, 
he knew I was le- leaving to follow my dream, and he was never he had fifth, and he was you know papered papered up, and he was a triple OG already, mm-hmm. so he wasn't chasing nothing like that. You know, what I mean, I think I always felt like he just was trying to support. You know, what I'm saying even when we did the fifth yay thing, I remember being uh, backstage at 106 in Park when we made that whole movie. It was like he just was just so supportive. Mm-hmm. That was always the vibe I got. I never got the 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 vibe that he wanted to pull it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, if he did, I never got that energy. There were some other people over uh, over there besides Chris Lighty. Mona Scott was there, and a lot Mona's of people today girl. only know Mona. Mona from her TV stuff. But I love Mona. That's yeah, my girl. But what was she? What was she like as a oh, as a co partner Mo- there? Mona was absolutely amazing. That's my girl. Love her to death. I was at her wedding. She was at my wedding. <laughs> Mona is absolutely amazing. Was Todd Moskowitz there? Todd is the one that actually gave me my final final. Okay, when it was up to when it was like the okay, you gotta go through one last person to get approved to uh, to get uh, uh, your job. It was Todd. Todd's my guy. Yeah, Todd was the like the boss that you had to like slay at the end. Yeah, yeah man, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. T murder, man. Come on, stop playing. Uh oh, don't jump, bitch, move. You see them headlights? Well, what was confusing for me, by the way. Mm-hmm. But then I thought you were doing like a Nelly, uh-oh. Underlay, underlay, mama, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. What's popping tonight? We're sitting out mugs tonight. <laughs> That's what's happening tonight. You know, we have these things called mean mugs, and they're available at itsthereal.com slash shop. They say mean mug on one side. Yep. And then there's a cartoon figure on the other side making a mean mug. Yep. It's like a triple entendre. Oh, my God. How many entendres can we make? This is the Jay-Z of mugs. You guys have to get them. We have a limited amount. Uh-oh! <laughs> that uh-oh was because we're almost sold out of them. And you guys should go to itsthereal.com slash shop right now and make sure you get your mean mug. Because there's a lot of people out there who ordered them and they have arrived safely. Jeff has made sure to package them with bubble wrap. Yeah, I, I put tissue paper. So much no, no tissue paper. Don't don't like, you know, make up things. No, well, you put paper in there. It's packing paper. Sorry. Okay. I've learned a lot about packing mugs these past few weeks. I've gotten really good at it. There's no tissue paper. Bubble wrap packing paper. Yeah. And something else. There's another box in oh, there. Oh, right, right. A secret little box. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like a Russian nesting doll. Yeah. But there's a mug in the middle. Yeah. So every time you think that you've opened up this mug, there's, there's another, another box. Layer. Guys, yeah. the mugs arrive to you in two days. We take the care to write a personalized note to you. Jeff takes a lot of care to make sure that it doesn't break getting to you. And once you use that mug, your coworkers are going to love you even more than they do right now. Your family is going to love you even more than they do right now. Wow. That's a lot to put on your your hands uh-huh. will love you even more than they do right now. Mm-hmm. Holding one of those mean mugs, it's thereal.com slash shop. Yeah, don't be an idiot, buy a mug. Uh oh! Don't jump, bitch, move! <laughs> Back to the podcast. Okay, so Chris was head of Black Music at Jive. So, and he also had a venture for Violator through Jive. So, what he did was, I worked at Violator for about, I think, maybe a year. And then I found this act that they that was like a really like hot act that everybody was trying to sign helped Chris sign it, and then as my um, reward or whatever, he got me um, a job, a salary position at at Jive as an A&R, which is what I wanted to do. A lot of people didn't notice, but I wasn't on salary at Violator. They gave me a job, they gave me a crazy position, crazy uh, title, 
but it was all commission based. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I was like an eat what you kill kind of a thing. So I was like still throwing parties and concerts and consults and getting money Western Union to me to, to pay my bills. Wow. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, a year in when I got that, that when I got that job, it kind of put me in a position not to have to hustle bustle so much. Yeah. So, was that artist dirtbag? Damn, boy, yes. Yeah, yeah all, right. all right, all right, all right. <laughs> well, you do your research. No, no. Absolutely. Well, we so, also live this. Yeah, yeah we, we do live this. But but Dirtbag was, um, as our mutual friend Andrew Barber would say, very ahead of, of his time. Um, Absolutely. But you signed Dirtbag, um, and he ended up being on Cool and Dre's. Uh, Talked to Dre yesterday. Yeah, shout out yeah. to them shout who are having, cool and Dre. Yeah, having, having their time right I, now. I gave Cool and Dre their first production deal. Uh, their first label deal epidemic seven that's right yeah. 17 years ago and now they are still popping so i feel like you know i'll be a little early on stuff sometimes yeah. you know what i mean did you did you connect um dirtbag with timbaland for the the, uh, the triple x triple x soundtrack, soundtrack? Nah, i oh. didn't oh. i think dre did that okay because dre and tim were always good yeah were always close yeah does it shock you how much we know about dirtbag <laughs> yeah because nobody knows <laughs> but you guys i mean yeah we're in the dirtbag high <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, we first met back in. Well, well, here's here's how I first got uh, aware of you. Okay, it was a double XL like skinny column about front of you. Book. Yeah, in the front of the book, um, and. I knew that you were rocking with Kanye, this kid from Chicago who was a producer and a, a, a up and coming rapper, and and I knew that you had your own management thing, hustle, but also there was an offshoot called Hustle Film, and I I was I was I was a young filmmaker, I was obsessed with hip-hop like i come from you know my brother and i are from westchester so uh -huh. we're just like north in new york our other brothers from westchester too yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so we're all we're all from westchester but um <laughs> we but so we loved it but we were like outsiders right sure. and i was like there has to be some sort of lane where i can like meet at that intersection of hip-hop and, and film and i was like well hustle film so i'm gonna i'm gonna meet john monopoly so our other brother, Dan, and I go down to uh, a Kanye West show. It's before college dropout in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Don C was DJ Offbeat. DJ Offbeat. And... Uh, Light and curly. Yeah. Uh, John Stevens was on stage playing key keyboards. And... Um, little Brother opened. I think it was either Little Brother or... Um, the guys from um, Detroit. Um, oh, oh, Slum, Slum Village. Village. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And... And... Waited outside afterwards after the after the show. Um, said I wanted to meet John Monopoly or Don C. And uh, consequence Cons. came up, and he was like, "Yo, I'll introduce you." He's like, "Monop's not here, but I'll introduce you to Don C. If you buy two of my mixtapes," I said, "Absolutely." So, <laughs> bought him. He signed him, and I met Don C. for the first time outside of that of that tour bus or whatever. And he was like, "Here's." Here's John Monopoly's email, and it was I think it I think it was an epic email. It might have been Violator, but um, and then you and I started talking, and there was an idea that maybe I would help with this documentary about the Johnson family out of Chicago. Yeah. And then, um, by the way, you would leave one job, leave another job, and leave no forwarding address. So I talk about hustle. I would find you wherever you were, and then whenever you came to the city. I would be there and I would meet up with you guys. You guys had a hotel room at like one of the W's, but you would text me and say like, hey, I'm at the W Hotel and that was it. 
and I would be like, but there's a million W hotels. And I made a lucky guess. I ran into Consequence one, once again in the lobby. And he was like, oh, yeah, go upstairs. Go upstairs. I find you. I find GLC. I find A-Track, who I meet for the first time, all in there hanging out. I give you scripts, whatever, whatever. Within eight months, nine months, a year, I join you guys out here for the 2005 Grammys, so Kanye's first Grammys, and I was the videographer, because Don C and I then had this like working relationship, and all of a sudden I'm videoing the whole team behind the scenes 24 hours a day from, from New York when you guys launched Good Music at mm. Duvet. Oh, wow. Meet DJ Enough that night, you know? Wow. Um, Meet Nabil out here. Nabil. Do you know the Nabil story? Uh, yeah, yeah, we had, we had him on here, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. But like Nabil and I rode in the back of, of one of the cars with with uh, Donda West. We would exchange information. We would talk regularly. He told me back then about how we sold you guys mm-hmm. um, KanyeWest.com in, in exchange yeah, for the, the, uh, the that ability. That was genius. Yeah. yeah. And, but like I got to be friends with Barry, who also Barry. went to Syracuse, <laughs> like just like I did. Um Cootie and Chike, sure. who we're still family. friends with now. Family. Yeah. That's uh, Happy, who we ran into sure. last year or two years ago, down again at South by Southwest after a long time. Um, just, you guys were all amazing. Oh, oh, met Gabe for the first time. Gabe T. When Gabe, when Gabe, because I, I was I was at rehearsals and I was filming, oh, 88 Keys, like this is everybody, Video right? Show. And I was filming and because Kanye and Don C and John Monopoly hired me to, to, you know, do this behind the scenes stuff and Gabe didn't know and came running up on me and took my head off and like was just like, <laughs> Who told you you could be there? I'm just like, everybody told me I could be here. But but it was it was unbelievable and you guys all treated me like family when there was no reason to. I'm just a young kid from New York with a camera and doing this stuff and it was it changed my life. So thank you for that, oh, by the way. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And then and then thank you. Yeah, no. And then we reconnected with you at last year's South by Southwest yeah. Um, yeah. at the at the Good Music uh, mansion. But back then, you know, Kanye signs to Rockefeller. Sure. You're moving from Violator to Epic. Um, you're doing management at that time too with Don C. Um, G. Roberson, Al Branch. Yep. Um, hip hop. Hip hop, absolutely. Our guy. Hip hop who I saw a couple months ago. Oh man. He's actually out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we see oh, him. You guys yeah. See him? Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But how did how did you happen upon him when you just last saw him? Because he's like a unicorn. Yeah, like, oh, kill, yeah, yeah. Please. Like, he'll ride <laughs> you up on you on like a bicycle yeah. and you're just like, oh. And you're like, what's going on? Yeah. Why are you here right but now? Yeah. You want to know the funniest thing is that a couple of New Year's ago, New Year's Eve's, he just stopped by our place in New York and stuck around. And we thought it was just going to be like, oh, stop in, say hi, and like keep it moving. He stayed for Five six hours. hours. Yeah. <laughs> And so crazy. hung out, yeah. like you just never know what told how. stories. It was yeah. great. You great. never yeah. know what happened. Yeah, he is the best ever. But how did how did management work with all you guys? A part of that. That's a lot of a lot of chefs okay, in the so, kitchen. So so early on the yay rapper thing was a lot of me and Don um, G and at, well, no, when I say early, I mean very early. And it was always all hands on deck, but this is just kind of how it was in the very, very beginning. Me and DC were kind of handling a lot of the day-to-day stuff for him as the artist. Um, There was a lot that needed to be kind of cleaned up just with him as a producer and just... He had come out of... I'm not going to say a bad... He just was in a situation. Oh, yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And G and Al were kind of making sure that there could be of artist project you know what i'm saying and, and we're handling a lot of the production stuff yeah and I, so so like me and don were kind of like you know don was like um 
on the road. I'd be on the road a lot of the time. This is like college dropout time. Yeah. And we would just, it wasn't like, uh, we would just be all hands on deck and just, just grind shit out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'd say probably for the first project, it was a little more heavier, me and DC, as far as Ye the rapper versus Ye the producer. Right. And Ye the producer um, was more so on on our partners. Um, um, G and Al. Yeah. Yeah, 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 early. But they, those guys are amazing, amazing guys, yeah. amazing partners. We Love saw Al uh, a couple weeks ago. He came yeah, out with family. the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's dope. I know he's in Atlanta. Yep. Um, and they're killing it. They got, you know, g Easy, Yeah. All kind of people. Um, here's amazing. another name. Uh, what do you remember about Day 2 Faison? Day 2 Faison is my brother. Day 2 brought me on. So when I was putting out the Go-Getters, okay, so I put out the Go-Getters in 99. Huh. I think that same year I got my first road management job. It was I was a road manager slash management team of Carl Thomas who's a Chicago legend yeah. you know um bad boy mm-hmm. and, and then and then also and then the year after that in 2000 after working with Carl on bad boy puff gave me a publishing deal uh for a writer that I represented named McKelly Jameson who's still a dear friend of mine and we do a lot of business to this day uh, who wrote a bunch of hit records for Faith Evans and Mary mm. J. Blige, and who's a really uh, prolific songwriter and producer. Um, what was it like being on the road with Carl? Insane. <laughs> <laughs> insane. So, so you know, I've done the hip-hop thing. The R&B thing is completely different. Yep. It's a whole nother level because it's like the sexual energy. On the, you know, I'm a married man, you know yeah, what I mean? So, yeah. you know. Whatever. I'm just gonna say it. it's insane. We're just gonna be <laughs> whatever. It was just it was stupid. It but where was, was he stupid. getting his leathers from? <laughs> <laughs> he was getting his leathers from Troy. Oh. 5001 flavors. Shout out to Troy. Uh Troy, because Puff had a dude in Harlem. Troy, 5001 flavors is who, who Carl used to get his leathers from. Troy and Jay Boogie too. Of yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah. Rocking with with, with with Carl Thomas and on Bad Boy. You know, and again, I was in my twenties mm-hmm. and I was single. Yep, you were. It popping. was, it was yeah, stupid. Yeah. It was, <laughs> Carl Thomas was also single at the time. Yeah, <laughs> Carl was single. You know, it was just stupid. This was twenty years ago. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah literally, yeah. this was yeah. ninety nine. This was twenty years ago. So yeah, um, it, was a, it was a fool. It was stupid. So you didn't you didn't imagine that that Kanye would be the biggest artist in the world like he is twenty nineteen. But when his first album did, what was it? 400,000 400 plus in his first week sure and he is shown to be something so different and so refreshing Mm -hmm. what was that like for you it was it was amazing man because it's like yo you know all these people always telling you man you might be wrong this ain't it this ain't gonna do shit and then shout to arista and jive right 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 right, right. shout shout to them right (laughs) uh and then it's like the biggest shit out it's like you know fuck all y'all you know what i mean so yeah it gives you that extra little, I'm not going to call it arrogance, confidence. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Actually, where were you when he got into his car crash? Chicago. How did you find out? Malik Youssef. And what did he say? He was just like, I mean, he was, like, he was yeah, in the hospital. And, yeah. Yeah. He's fucked up. He just, uh, yeah. That, yeah. I don't even remember the conversation. I just remember Malik saying he was fucked up. Did you fly out? I think I flew out. Within a day or two, mm-hmm. and yeah. what was your experience with Through the Wire? 
Through the Wire was a little. I was frustrated with Through the Wire because we weren't getting the immediate response on the record that I thought we should have. Um, I was having a lot of difficulty working the record at radio. Um, I wish my cousin Jewel was here. He can tell you about <laughs> how hard I worked to get it added at GCI. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I was I was frustrated. Um, but when we came right back with All Falls Down, everything everything fell in place. Um, what involvement did you have with getting uh, Selena Johnson on the project? I was annarring Selena's project um, for Jive Records. At the time, I still worked for Jive. And I was helping uh, another one of my mentors, Wayne Williams. Um, Chicago. The legendary. Yeah. The legendary yeah. DJ yeah. Wayne yeah. Williams, who actually lives four houses down. He lives That's right wild. We're going to stop weird? over there right yeah, after this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you should. You yeah. should. <laughs> So uh, I was helping Wayne with Selena's project. We were at Record Plant. I had fallen asleep at like three in the morning. We were on like, Ye used to go on these like two, three day marathon sessions and shit sometimes. And um, I was like delirious. It was like, I don't remember, even remember what time it was. And I can't really take like a credit for suggesting Selena, I just remember, yay, we we needed to swap out the original Lauren vocal, and Selena was in the next room, and I think maybe yay came looking. For, I don't remember how it happened, just in in full yeah, truth. Yeah, but it happened. Yeah, and and so uh, that problem was solved. <laughs> problem solved. We had a hit. Yeah, and that that record, that video, everything that just oh of, yeah yeah the video was so much fun. So Kanye is is situated at Rockefeller then. Um, what kind of relationship did you have with Jay or Biggs or Dame? I was really cool with Jay. Um, I saw him the other day and introduced him to my wife. He's always been very nice to me. We've probably had four conversations in the 22 years that I've known him. Wow, wow. <laughs> it's funny because I actually promoted his first show. He doesn't even know this, but I... First time he came to Chicago, well, I don't know if it was the first time in Chicago, but his first Chicago show was in 1997, and I promoted it. Where was that? At the Click Nightclub. I booked him through Christy Clifford from Osti Entertainment. Remember like it was yesterday. Christy, Christy Clifford, who, who, who works still at there. Rock Nation now. She yeah. works at Rock Nation yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. She works there now, yep. Wow. Yeah, she had her own shop back then in the 90s. It was called Osti, A-S-T-I. And, uh, Did the city come out for Jay? We sold it out. Oh, yeah. We sold that bitch out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it was Jay-Z and Foxy Brown. Wow. And funny story. I knew Jay had money even back then because <laughs> my production assistant went to go pick him up from the airport, takes him to the hotel. Christy put in the riders. It had to be a four-star hotel. And it, and she named a couple of hotels. You know, you can get a Marriott. You can do this and that. So we got a Marriott downtown, Gold Coast, whatever. So Jay tells my production assistant, this is my hotel. And he's like, yeah, this was in the contract. I said, something wrong? And he's like, uh, uh, where's, the, where's the nearest Ritz Carlton? Wow. This is what he tells my production assistant. <laughs> so my production assistant was like, okay, I'll take you. So he's like texting me or I don't remember. Yeah, he was texting me from the car. Like I'm, I'm taking them to the Ritz Carlton, <laughs> but you know, I don't have any more money. You know what I mean? Cause I spent, you know, the money on the hotel. On the I already spent the money on the Marriott. <laughs> so they get to the hotel 
Jay and Dame and Biggs get out. And so my production assistant's like, uh, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> he's all nervous and shit. <laughs> he's like, all right, bye. They're like, bye. And so they're like, uh, he's like, well, you don't need nothing. My production is like, y'all sure? He's like, yeah. <laughs> like, we don't need you. Pay for no damn hotel room. So yeah, it was funny. They're like, what's the Ritz Carlton? They're like, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, they, they've been doing uh, well for a long time. Yeah. That's yeah. The point of that story. <laughs> Do you remember Kanye's first show post-album in Chicago? Was it House of Blues? Yeah. House of Blues with the private jet thing? Wow. You got to ask Don. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don has, I smoke weed like every day, like a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I think, I think it was the House of Blues show. Uh... Yeah, where we flew in with Dame and Biggs. It was my first time on a private jet. Um, yeah, wow. I think. What was your seat like on the private jet? Because like sometimes you can be facing backwards, and that's like super <laughs> weird. <laughs> weird. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Um, were you there when uh, Damon put the Rockefeller chain on? Yes. On Kanye. Yes. Where was that, and what was that like? I think that was the. Uh, what's the center in fucking? Was it Tweeter? Oh, outside oh. of Boston. No, 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 no. What's oh. the shit in, uh, what's the shit? What the fuck is the name of that place? Madison Square Garden. No, 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 no. You're so <laughs> stupid. It's, it's in Chicago. It's in the suburbs. Oh. Out, it's outdoor, indoor. It's the outdoor. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm sorry. That's I all good. a lot yeah, yeah, today, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it, was it wild? Yeah, for us. For us, it was life-changing. For everybody else there, probably not so much. <laughs> you know, it meant a lot to like seven people there. Yeah. You ever been to one of those things where it's yeah, like yeah, to yeah. you and your homies, it's like yeah. the biggest thing ever. Yeah. Everybody else is like, oh, okay. By the way, you're talking to two hip-hop sketch comedians. Yeah, Everything yeah, yeah. we do is important to seven people. <laughs> Nobody outside of that. Right, right. Um, so Chicago is then, I mean, for all intents and purposes, look, Common like made his mark there. Sure. Uh, but Kanye is like a breakthrough on like another level. Whole nother level. And then there's sort of a, a run again on on Chicago artists. Like it becomes sort of cool. Lupe sure. gets signed, Lupe, right? Yeah. Um, did you feel Shout like out to Chile. Yeah. Did you feel like that was like the next sort of like beginning of what would be a big wave, or did you think that uh, it was just over? That this, that Kanye was a once in a lifetime guy, and Lupe was a once in a lifetime guy, and and that was it. I thought a wave was coming. I thought it was gonna come a little bit sooner. To be honest, I felt like there was like a little delayed reaction. Yeah. But if you notice, it didn't really come to like. Five or six years later? Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of weird. Yeah. Like a six-year delay. Like we had like two or three big people and then just kind of went lull for like three years. Can you share a good Bump J story? Bump J! Um, I remember... Sure. I got so many Bump J stories. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Tell them all. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was shooting the video for The Corners. I wish you could give me oh, this Oh, my film. God. I wish you could give me this feeling. So we're shooting a video for the corners, and then we on my man block on a Walnut, this real hood block on the west side of Chicago. And uh, I'm doing this one scene where I have I signed this group named Sara to yeah. good music back in the day. Mm-hmm. And there was this one guy named Taz who was like the leader. Taz of, Arnold. Taz yeah. Arnold. He's the leader of Sara. So I actually introduced Taz to Kanye. And Taz went to like work for Kanye and did a bunch of real creative fly shit. But Taz was a little 
eccentric. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I got Taz in like the deep heart of the hood. What was on he the wearing? West side. He had like four <laughs> Gucci belts, a crown. You know, Taz. How, just how many different kinds of leopard printing? Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you obviously know Taz. So you know, I got this thing in like in like the hood, hood, right? So I'm like. You know, Taz, like, you know, we're doing this shot, but go, go, go get my truck. Like, like, don't, don't stand out here just because, like, it's just, they don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, whatever energy nothing. he's projecting, people just don't understand it. Yeah, people yeah. just don't understand it. So I have him go get in my truck, right? So I, I walk up to my truck and I look over to my right. I say, what the fuck? And it's like 80 people walking up to this video shoot real slow. But I don't know if you've ever seen 80 people walk slow. It looks crazy. <laughs> and then and then and then to know where I was, first of all, I'm on Walnut. Second of all, I got two of the biggest rappers, not, not two of the biggest rappers, the two biggest rappers of Chicago history, Kanye and Kanye. Yeah, 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 yeah. The two most important artists ever <laughs> to live from this city. And I'm looking and I see 80 niggas. I'm like, oh my God, yo, they call me lacking. Like, I cannot believe this shit. But so I walk over to get a little closer and I'm like, oh, okay, this is Bump. <laughs> I'm like, of course, it's Bump J coming 80 deep to the video shoot. So uh, he comes up for his scene. I'm like, what up, you know? <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, like, lucky is is you, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, God damn, I thought we was going to die, you know? Uh, but, yeah, that was pretty funny because he came, he came, like, to the heart of the west side. He from out south. We both from out south. He actually kind of, I think he really from over east. Mm. And um, it was just funny because he just came, like, super deep and was, like, walking, like, like real slow. It was just funny. <laughs> what? But uh, I got so many stories. Man. Uh, at some point, stop managing mm-hmm. Kanye. 2008, I quit. February 20-something, 2008. And where was where was Chicago at the time musically? It's a good question. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I was... Uh, well, where, where, where did you feel you fit in? I was trying to find the new shit in Chicago. Ye and I needed a break, uh, had a financial dispute, and there was just time that we just kind of, you know, rocked on our own for a little while. We had been rocking for 20-some years. Sometimes you need to breathe it from your brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like when you left Chicago to go to New York. There you go. Yeah. Sometimes you got to, you know, let, let, let go to lift up. So 2008, this is, this is before King Louis? Yeah. I, <laughs> eight, nine... Yeah. So eight for me was I was managing. No, I had a group called Hot Styles out of Chicago. Whoa, looking boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, man. I keep the platinum coming, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. By the I way, let Andrew go. Barber loves Hot Styles. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I, I let, I let the go of the Kanye thing. Tried to figure some stuff out. Managed looking uh, Hot Styles for a while. Big Re- record, by the way. Yeah. Huge record. Double yeah. platinum. Who yeah. got um? Who got Young Jock on there? Well, okay, so we signed the Jock. A lot of people don't know that was Jock's group. Block oh. Entertainment? No, Block was Big Block, who was Puff's guy. Yeah. And then Jock's label was called... Big Jock. <laughs> oh, shit, I don't know. Shut up. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was called. Uh, but, yeah, so yeah, we were signed to Block and Jock through Jive. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah, through Drive. And... Uh, 
so I did that. That was pretty much my 18. And then 19, I managed Buster Rhymes for a while, which was a lot of fun. I love Buster. I saw him the other day. Um, and then. Wait, what is it events? like to manage Buster? Like, he seems very. Insane. Yeah. Unmanageable. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I love Trevor. Love you, Buster. Love you, brother. <laughs> Uh, he but he's probably, so many stories. But he's he's, he's very he's very just like you know uh, confident. Yeah. 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 Also, yeah, I heard yeah. that. He, I mean, you know, uh, we've met a lot of people um, in our years around. Uh, I don't feel like anybody gives a better handshake uh, than Buster Ryan. Or, or, <laughs> yeah. 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 A strong. He's a very strong handshake. handshake. Yeah. Or, or hug. Yeah. 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 Good strong hug. Yeah. yeah. Buster yeah. got you for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah. So yeah. And then um, so yeah. So what, what was it? So so oh nine Buster mm-hmm. and then oh ten is when I had the partnership where I started the label out of Chicago got King Louis Katie got bands yeah did that whole thing for a couple of years and then um, left for L A to work at the social media platform I took a small piece of the social media platform called Feed I don't know if you ever heard of this company but we we launched in I want to say eleven or some shit eleven or twelve I moved to L A. Um, there was this kid from Chicago named D-Lo who had the D-Lo shuffle got yep. him signed to Atlantic then I got this girl Dreezy familiar with yep. Dreezy yes, of course she's been on the podcast yeah, yes. yeah. I got her signed to Interscope, Interscope. yep um, so how how was it that you were were the guy from Chicago after all this time like you were you were the guy that everyone would go to how was it Um, I think I had kind of I kind of positioned myself in the marketplace that way. Good or, good or bad. You know what I mean? I I, I was always um, talking to labels, doing deals, promoting shows, promoting parties, booking acts. I've, I've been pretty much doing the same. I've been doing what I do right now for Really for 30 years. Yeah. To I be mean, honest. Uh, we, we were telling you we had Hitmaker on recently. And, yeah. And he told us that as Young Berg, you were one of the guys who helped him sure. make his way. Absolutely. I mean, you you left your legacy um, in the city of Chicago, even though you may not live there anymore. Hey, man, I try, man, I try. And um, How did you meet Z Money? Z Money is a big uh, hustler's son a, a very respected street figure, uh, former hustler, excuse me, um, street figure, very respected guy. His, his Z, Z's dad and I are very close. Um, uh, uh, and, so, so full context, I have bipolar disorder and, and Z's dad once when I was very young, I got into it with, with another individual, um, from the music industry, um, and Z's dad made an OG call and basically kind of squashed the wow. beef. Um, this was twenty years ago. Yeah, and uh, he's a very well respected, very very strong, powerful guy in the city. Um, not just in Chicago, he's known and respected nationally, globally actually. And um, I've known him since I was probably seventeen or eighteen years old. So yeah, it's nothing I won't do for Z. That's it has nothing to do with uh, business or anything. Well, uh, uh, just like you know, staying on the the topic of you being very open about your bipolar disorder. Sure. Um, you know, how do you feel about Kanye being so open about it? Do you feel like it's put a positive spin on 
um, on people understanding what the what the disease is or d- disorder yeah, is. Or- I, I just think just in general, man, people just need to talk about mental health because there's so many people that are, you know, just dealing with it, dealing with mental health issues. And uh, yeah, it just needs to be, you know, just it just need to be discussed. You know, it's unfortunate that, you know, it makes people like people that have uh, situations like myself it makes us feel kind of ashamed you know not to discuss because it's kind of always been like oh uh hush hush especially in the black community yeah you know it's it's very very hush hush so yeah i just think it's it's just important regardless of whatever he has or doesn't have you mm-hmm. know what i mean um i just think you know mental health in the black community just, just needs to be a topic that, that we discuss so virgil virgil when he Virgil meets you by he like Jay did school. No, 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 no. That's not true. So Virgil met me because he was interning for my OG. The guy who put me on also put on Jay Boogie. A lot of I mean, I said it wrong. The guy who put me on is a guy named Jay Boogie. That's the same guy who put Virgil on. Virgil be telling people <laughs> I put him on. Just that's take it. Kind of <laughs> not <Take> true. <laughs> no, nah, that's not true. That's that's really not true. What this the what the real truth is. Jay Boogie's my big homie. Okay, so when I need something, he has a f- clothing, he, he manufactures clothes, promotional this, all kind of stuff like that. So when I need something in that space, he gets the business. It's not a conversation. That's who I go to. I go to Boogie. I'm doing something for Sarah. I signed this group named Sarah from L.A. to good music. Boogie, I need some design stuff for Sarah. He says to me, I know who I'm going to put you with. I'm going to put you with Virgil. I say, who's Virgil? He said, Virgil's one of my youngins. I said, no problem. I go to the office. He introduces me to Virgil. I get with Virgil. Virgil and I get into a groove with one another. I hire Virgil for the Sarah shit. Done. Okay, Virgil's like, I want to work with you. I want to work with you guys. So I, he was like, like kind of like my intern. Yeah. Okay, so... He's I like 18 a, or something at this point, 17. This is he's in high school. 05, 06. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how old Virgil yeah. is. Whatever. Yeah, well, black don't crack, so yeah. nobody does. <laughs> yeah, but like exactly. But, but yeah, so like, he, but he was he was young. He was in like high school, I guess. I don't know if he was in high school. I thought he worked at an architecture firm. So if you're saying he was in high school, maybe I, you're, again, I have no idea. I'm just saying it with confidence. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, this I don't think he was in high school because I I believe when I met Virgil, he was an architect. Mm. I believe. Mm-hmm. You'd have to ask Jay Boogie or Dom, but yeah. I believe Virgil was an architect. So I think the story that he tells is that he ditched school in some way to come see you. Like there was a Well, test. he might have ditched school to come see me later on, but when I met him, mm-hmm. that's not mm. that's not how I met him. Mm-hmm. I met him at Jay Boogie's office. Mm-hmm. He was already at Jay Boogie's office when I went up there. Now, after that, for about a year, he kind of interned for me. Now he might have uh, ditch school to come fuck with me then. Yeah, mm-hmm. see what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. um, before then, no. Was before he a good then, intern? He was amazing, but mm-hmm. not not an intern like that. Just just. I mean, like not to I, get like coffee or whatever. But I'm just no, saying, like, was no, he- no. What I meant was like he was always just doing design. Mm-hmm. He was always doing what he does. He wasn't going to give me food and shit. Yeah, right? no, no, was, no, yeah, no, no yeah. not at all. But, I, but he was like, uh, um, I got a okay. So hustle my brand. Yeah. Right? So. I would have him working on stuff for um, like a hustle, a life. So funny, my cousin, <laughs> do you know Trey? Maybe, I don't know. Trey, one of the owners of a life. Oh, okay. Trey, T-R-E-I-S. Anyway, so he's one of the owners of a life. So I have old emails 
of Virgil with me on copy emailing Trey about a Hustle A Life collab. Whoa. Because A Life was my favorite brand at the time. Yeah. Another owner of uh, A Life, hip hop. Hip hop. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah of course. Um, do you have any good uh, Cam or Jimmy stories? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I got a, I got a, I, I got a good one for both. So, one Jimmy story. No, I got to tell a Cam story first. So, I remember one time Don C and Cam. So, we brought Cam and Jimmy to Chicago for their first show. Ever. Wow. It was off a of horse and carriage. Remember yeah. That oh, hell yeah. yeah. So we did at Club Mercedes in 90, whatever year Club Horse and Carriage came out. Yep. That same year we brought them. 97 maybe. Sure. Yeah. There you go. So <clears throat> Cam and Jimmy got real close to uh, Don C. And they would come to Chicago to hang out with them all the time. One time we in front, in front of the club... And like Don and Cam are like talking to some girl, or, or like Cam's talking to some girl. I don't remember what happened, but somehow I went left like really, really fast. Uh. And all I know is I look up and Don, now mind you, this is when Don used to drink. When Don used to drink back in the day. Now I love Don. C. All bets but, were up. But when Don used to drink, oh my God, this Ladue loses his mind. He, uh, all I know is, I mean, I look up, man, him and Cam are stomping out the, the, uh, windshield to her car. I don't, I don't, like, I guess the girl said something slick and then they said something slick and then she tried to hit him in the car. Oh. You'd have to. Ask, I mean, if Don ever yeah. says yes to your yeah, 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 request, yeah, yeah. like just which ask he him. won't, but it's fine. <laughs> which he won't. <laughs> we'll but, ask him on text. Yeah, 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 text. yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, But yeah, that was pretty fun. And then a Jimmy story. I remember going to Miami with my cousin JoJo again. Shout out JoJo Capone. This was two thousand. When is the syrup? Sipping on some yeah. scissor. When is the syrup? When when did, when did Cam and them have the syrup? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Purple bottles. Yeah, yeah, scissor. Yeah. Um, that, that's got to be like oh like six or something. No, I bet it was like oh seven oh eight. Was it oh seven oh eight? I think okay. so. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. Somebody. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you if you have a stake in the scissor uh, company, leave a <laughs> <No>. comment. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. So when they had that, uh, they shot a video. They shot a commercial. With Three Six Mafia, do you remember this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you remember this? It was like a Three Six Mafia. Yeah, yeah. Remember that sipping song? on some scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we shot this commercial at this like mansion in Miami, and uh, I was there with JoJo. Now at the time, JoJo and 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 Jim were very close, and this is when JoJo, Jim, and True Life used to all run around run around together. Um, they're not so close anymore from right right right, right. <laughs> um, but uh yeah i you know what i can't even tell the story all good because it's, it's not yeah. appropriate yeah. yeah but but i have i have a couple from from each yeah what scissor bottles <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um no couple stories talk about chicago now and your involvement with valet yeah, so Valet, amazing new artist out of Chicago. I chased them around for like two years. I finally signed them to Good Music. Executive produced the first project with Kanye. 
Um, it did well. Um, got a lot of critical acclaim. Everybody's stolen his flow. Everybody in the rap business is stealing his shit. So hopefully this year the the theft will <laughs> will uh, equal to the actual uh, you know monetary you know uh, fulfillment yeah. from this project. Yeah. yeah, or the next. But he got some great records coming. I'm really excited about him and. Yeah, he's he's amazing. What Shout about, out to Valet and Andrew Barber. Fake Shore. What yeah. Up? What about uh, London on the track? London, my nephew, number one producer right now, man. My nephew's on fire. Um, we are inches, seconds away from closing his label deal at a extremely high profile label. Amazing. Profile right records. Label. <laughs> yeah. Ah, not profile <laughs> records. It's definitely not profile <laughs> records. Shout out to profile though. But um. Yeah, so we're we're closing his deal now. I'm really excited about that, and yeah. And how do you feel about your city? Man, I feel great about Chicago always. I love LA. I love living here, but I I feel great about Chicago. And your involvement with Kanye these days? No involvement, but I love him to death. That's my brother. Um, yeah, but we we don't work together. But mm-hmm. I love him. Yeah, that's my brother. All right, right on. Yeah. Who are some people in the industry that you're not related to? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Any other artists that you're looking to work with that we should really be paying attention to these days? Common, 97, Schaefer Jones. That's it. How you feel? Good? I feel great, man. I'm good. Good. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Man, thank you for doing no, this. No, come on. Congratulations on on just a stellar career. I mean, it's 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 always been like amazing to see from from outside to hear it from right from the source has been phenomenal man and, i appreciate that and man. we appreciate everything that you've done so thank you, thank so, you so much, much. Yeah. thank you man right. yeah appreciate thank you to time. you thank you to your wife thank you to your cousin mvd 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 thanks so much John. no thank you all right thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of a waste of time with it's the real jeff people want to find out more about us i'm eric you're jeff i have curly hair you have glasses together we are It's The Real. If people want to find out more about this podcast, there's almost 250 of them. They're all found if you search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about what we have going on in the year of our Lord, 2019, where can they go? I don't know. Figure it out. All right. You can always go to itsthereal.com for all of your needs, actually. Hell, we've got our newsletter there. You oh. can sign up for our newsletter. And I recommend that you guys do that right now. Eric, did you sign up for our newsletter? I did not, but I signed you up anyway. Thank you very much. And so that's what's important. Well, you know what? If you're a good friend, go to itsthereal.com and sign your friend up. Oh, a little surprise. I think it's a nice little surprise. Maybe it's a birthday surprise. Maybe it's like... Maybe it's a prank. Who gives a shit? Whatever just, it is. Just put in some emails. Itsthereal.com. Yeah. We want you to be fully aware of where we're going on tour, what we're selling in the merch shop, what is going on. You will find out first and you will tell your friends about it first. It's thereal.com. Sign up for our newsletter. You can find all episodes of our podcast, old ones, new ones. Go to iTunes, search for A Waste of Time with It's The Real or It's The Real. You can even search for It's The Real on Spotify. You can search for It's The Real on, I don't know, every other place. SoundCloud. What's the... CastBox. CastBox. That's the one. People fucking love CastBox. Hey, listen. I love CastBox right back. You can also find us on Twitter at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, and Instagram at It's The Real. Jeff, people are looking for our music. Where can they go? You can go to Spotify, search for Teddy Bear Fresh, our album, 
Sugar High, one of our songs, has over 750,000 plays. That's pretty remarkable. Remarkable indeed. And by the way, it's excellent, so go listen to that right now. Jeff, this is one of our favorite parts of the podcast recording process, Mm -hmm. where we get to shout out all of you guys who have contacted us and said, hey... I want to be part of that newsletter, and in exchange, please shout me out. So Jeff, get to shout. Okay, well, before I do, I just want to say, I feel every time I do this, I'm like, I wouldn't mispronounce any of these names. Yeah. I got a note from somebody who was just like, well, close. Damn. So I want to say, if I mispronounce your name, you know, I tried. <laughs> I want to shout out Tyler McDermott, Taryn Watkins, Stephen Lubasek. Tommy McDonald, Rashad Thomas, Peter Barth, Muhammad Sherdell, Jonathan Warner, Mike Delante, Phil Sams, True Soul Evolution, Eddie Brown, Justin Simmons, and Christina Moss. Big shout out to all of you guys. Big shout out. For signing up for our newsletter at itstherial.com. We're heading back to New York. Jeff, as always, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys back home. Brr.